and welcome to the What The Fork Sunland preview show. Sunland, putting arguably the best performance of the season on Saturday, as the dispatched Plymouth Argyle at the Stadium Alight. However, the tests do come thick and fast as always in League One, and we travel to Portman Road to face Ipswich Town for the second time in a month this Saturday. Whilst it's only been a month, actually, since his last appearance, things have changed quite dramatically at Ipswich Town, I think. So you won't be surprised to see I've roped in Benjamin Blue, my old pal, to give me the lowdown on Ipswich's world over the past month. Ben, um, things have changed, but how are you doing before we start? I'm good. I just want to say a big hello to one of your listeners who commented on uh, the last video saying, I'm very knowledgeable, but dull as dishwater. So that person is well and truly on my shit list. It's a big hello to them. Enjoy the next half hour. I've seen that actually. And I was just like, <laughs> I won't say none of my guests are dull as dishwater, but you wouldn't be at the top of the list if there was one. But, um, <laughs> the, I can't remember who that was. Thanks for listening to the, me, though. <laughs> as the dullest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I won't remember because they they will have either been muted or, or blocked. I'd... I don't need that in my life, do I, Graham? There we go. But anyway, I sound, re- I sound, nice. really, sul- sound really salty about that, don't I? I sound really oversensitive, but there we go. Look we are all oversensitive. We are podcasters. <laughs> At least that's what they, they keep telling me. Um, straight from the top, I can't really start anywhere else. I think we chatted at length about Paul Cook, start of November. He seemed to be coming out of a bad run of form. He said the fans kind of seemed to understand that maybe the team needed time to gel. A month later, and he's, he's long gone. What what happened to Paul Cook? Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went to an Ipswich game probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. And there was this was sound all lardy dar. I was in corporate and there was a quiz. And my mate, I mean, there's no fact that he does not know about Ipswich Town. He's he's an Ipswich Town Rayman. And he was able to name all the Ipswich Town managers and you know, I thought this was very, very impressive, but they'd only been like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 or something in an entire century, obviously a couple of very long serving ones. And now in the past uh, few seasons, we've had Paul Hurst last 16 games and Paul Cook now last, I don't even know what it was, 2019 or something like that. Um, what happened was, in short, he didn't meet the expectation really of this new squad which um, obviously Ipswich fans are now clawing to football fans want to simplify everything don't they Graham they're now clawing to find oh maybe maybe the squad we built is it's just not as good as we thought and I'm like nah nah this no, squad's pretty good this squad's very good isn't it and lots of um you know lots of fans of other teams maybe yourself would happily swap a couple of players in for a couple of your existing existing players. So he didn't meet the expectation and um, call me um, cynical. I just wonder whether the new owners were very, very clever, Graham, in that before they took over, they got the previous owner to install Paul Cook. So they put themselves in a situation where he's literally not their guy because they didn't hire him. But then... If we're in the top two, he is their guy. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they kind of left themselves a little bit of a little bit of a get out. So look, everybody liked Paul Cook. He's he's a big bundle of energy. He wanted to play attacking football. It didn't work. And the long answer, the short answer, after I've given the long answer, is there was too much of a gap between the expectation based on the recruitment and the league position. 
the last game that we had against each other was we, we were both you were all in all right form we were bang out of form really and it was a, a massive game for us but how much did the defeat against us affect Paul Cook's future sort of after that? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't, I don't want to sit here and put it on one game. But of course, when you get towards the end of, a, you know, and you're able to look back with hindsight, each one of those games, you're like, ah, well, if that had gone differently. And I think maybe the Sunderland game was a bit of a microcosm of what went wrong for Paul Cook. Because we didn't actually play that badly. But no. did we did we create that many big chances with our possession? No. Were we fragile when you guys got a chance? Um, yes. Were we a little bit unlucky with the... I know the arm in unnatural position is uh, open to interpretation, but... That wasn't a pen. You know... <laughs> It wasn't a pen. It wasn't. (laughs) Not for me. Yeah. Uh, As I've grown up watching football, it's not a penalty. Maybe it is now and I just have to get just have to get Mm. used to it. My I always thought, Graham, that people got if the distance of the ball was always a thing, wasn't it? Um, But now it's not. And okay, fine. But. Damn well. The next time, if in this game a Sunderland player, the same thing happens. I want a penalty given against you. Guys. That's the thing. I, I looked at it, and I, I mean, obviously, it was the, the second one, so I might have won it anyway. But I was obviously in the ground with that game. I agree and with that. Yeah. When he, when it, when it happened, everyone just went, "Is he? Give, what's he giving it for?" And then afterwards, you've seen it, and you're like, "Oh, come on!" But it, it did feel like. If Lee Johnson lost that game, that was going to go down a slippery slope, a very slippery slope. So I kind of feel like like Paul Cook's the same. But I've looked at the list of the favourites that you've got. Names in the hat aren't too bad. <laughs> Obviously, Derek McInnes has applied for the job. It's came this morning. Neil Harris is the favourite. But then it's followed by Neil Warnock, which, I mean, everyone loves Neil Warnock. John Terry, which is probably the opposite. No one likes him. Um, and Mark Burch. I, I, like, I like John Terry, I have to say. I like John Terry. I used to teach a guy. I'm going to do a clanging name drop now. I used to teach a guy uh, piano. Um, this is this is. A, I don't know why I haven't done this story on a podcast before. This guy was actually Pablo Picasso's grandson. He was related what? to Pablo Picasso. Yeah, he was loaded, absolutely loaded. He lived um, just off the King's Road in Chelsea, just past where the shops are. And I went to teach him, and I was going to walk back to the station. I went to cross the road, and this red um, Range Rover, beautiful car, pulls up stops lets me cross the road i i give it a little wave and say thank you john terry driving so my one experience of meeting john terry he was utterly lovely so i'm one of the few people who likes john terry. and obviously he was an amazing player wayne, wayne bridge has got a very different opinion i think <laughs> well <laughs> if, if he let wayne bridge cross the road then maybe wayne's bridge wayne bridge would like there's a there's a punchline and a joke in here with chickens crossing the road and whatnot but yeah it's a look it's a the, weird list, the, though, isn't it? It's like it's Graham, famous names. It's and a weird list names. because the bookies haven't got a clue. Um, yeah, is why it's a weird list. The market moves. You, you could stick a fiver on um, Derek McInnes now, and he, his odds have probably come in um, by you know a discernible amount. Nobody knows. I've I've seen a name this morning, which I'll very irritatingly for your listeners tell you once the um, once you've stopped recording, but um, that's not on that list as well. So it might be. A bit more left field and progressive than than you think, and the the bookies um, who always have an interest in pushing the agenda um, may be just directing the the market. And I think the bookies are going to win out on this one. I have to say uh, because 
it might be a name that's not on the list. I seen I seen like a list of some names that were just mental though, like really bizarre. Like Frank Lampard, like no offense, Lip Switch or something. Turn down Palace and Norwich, yeah. Yeah, he's not coming to League One. Uh, Neil Lennon, not for me, not for me. Um, <laughs> obvious reasons for that, but but who do the fans actually want? Who's the kind of the overriding name of who people are saying actually hear him? Graham Ipswich fans are just confused. They're bless them, bless us. They're just confused. We don't know what we we don't know what we want. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. we're now under new ownership. We've tried everything. We tried the superstar naming Roy Keane after he was with you guys. We tried the the guys that had already been promoted from the division before Paul Jewell, um, Mick McCarthy, obviously another Sunderland guy. Mick was really good, and then it tailed off. We tried the young guy coming up from, um, you know, from uh, Shrewsbury in mm-hmm. Paul Hurst. We even tried an ex-Norwich, you know, Norwich's best manager in the last um, sort of 25 years in terms of league position. We tried Paul Lambert. That didn't work. We tried Paul Cook, who we thought was probably a level above us and a level above League One. Ipswich fans are very, very confused. You're now, what you're now getting as well is this really weird split where... Um, and again, football fans love to simplify stuff. You're now getting, ah, oh, we just need to accept that we're in League One and play a bit more direct. <laughs> all of a sudden, after years of, you know, McCarthy's too pragmatic and all this, get it in the box. Look at Wickham and Rotherham. Look how good, look how good they're doing. So Ipswich fans are genuinely confused. And whilst I love our club and I love our fans, probably the 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 least people you want to listen to at the moment about who's right for the Ipswich job are probably Ipswich fans. And again, I don't want to pile in on my own fans. That probably is the same for most football clubs you'd have to oh, say. Oh, yeah. I mean, like a lot of the things you said there kind of feels very much when Sunderland appointed Lee Johnston, it was before that, there was the romantic appointment of Gus Poyet. I wanted that. I was on board with the romantic appointment of Gus Poyet. There was the shouts for Kevin Phillips, as always, which is kind of another romantic appointment. Then there was a Nigel Pearson. Now get a guy in that does this. Then there was the kind of deflection away from the direct football because we had Parky for like the best part of a year. But in reality, everyone was just like, well, let's just see what happens. Let's see where it goes. You're totally right. You're totally right. It's almost the case of, um, and, you know, with all due respect to Sunderland, and obviously Ipswich are in the same boat. We're talking about clubs that have sucked for a long while and nothing has worked. So it's very, very much a case of, look, trust the higher ups. If they're wrong, we'll tell them they're wrong in whatever time and just get Five behind. Weeks. <laughs> it's, well, I, I hate this about football now, though, isn't it? It is. It's every you know, every fan base, though, isn't it? Like everyone says, oh, this fan base is worse than this. But I think every fan base is the same. There's very few managers that don't get shot at off the top of well, my head. It's because, Bielsa, it's because maybe? the social media um, yeah. thing speeds up the debate so much, so much faster. And um, a story that in the past took a year to build now seems to take it's Saturday so between 3 and 7 p.m., doesn't it? It's so reactive and we all do it. Like, I've made no secret of the fact I was not on board with Lee Johnson, but then after Saturday, I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely <laughs> wrong. He's just totally turned it around. And I suppose the, the benefit is it's nice to be wrong when it works in your, your club's favour, but it, social media is so reactive. And you're right, it does build that story in, in five it's, minutes. It's very hard to take a, a long view when everyone seems to be judging everything sort of sort of day by day. But yeah, who, whoever they get, I'm behind. I'd like to think, like Sunderland, 
surely managers and their egos surely look at a job like Ipswich or but Sunderland even more so with the bigger fan base surely think ah this is this is a bit of me if I get them in the championship and competing I'm I'm the guy here do you know what I mean I think McKinnis could be a really good appointment. I just hope he's not in. If you have a good appointment, he's not in by Saturday. But how likely are we to see an appointment by Saturday? We're speaking now on on Wednesday, just before your FA Cup game against Barrow. I don't know. I really, really don't know. And um, one thing I will say about uh, the club: they're not very leaky at the moment, and they have been. They have been in the past. So um, I, I think we might get, we might get an announcement. I wouldn't have thought. It would be, it could be on Friday, but then you're into the realms of announcing a manager just to pop a reaction and saying he's going to start on Monday. A bit like Barnsley did with Aspargi when they had Fulham away. It's like, okay, he's our new manager, but we're not gonna we're not gonna let him do Fulham away and lose. So we'll he's starting on Monday. I think as well when it comes to like appointments on a Friday, you've seen it, it feels like it works. Because you think, oh, there's the buzz. But we appointed Lee Johnson two hours before kickoff and got beat off bottom of the league Wigan last year. So there, there is the opposite sides as well. But um, I think in, you're in, talking to the most grumpy person in the world. <laughs> I hate the new manager bounce. I think the new manager bounce is a big, a big load of bollocks. And I think it's just a mathematical regression to the mean. Um, but yeah, you might get, you might get a short term kind of pop in atmosphere. In theory, it's the same. The same players yeah. in the main being asked to do the the same thing. Yeah, are you aware of the pack out Portman Road campaign? I did see about that because we spoke about it last time, isn't it? The tickets are a bit cheaper and stuff like that, and it's just a pain for us that Ipswich is such a pain in the ass to get to. And Norwich, yeah, I'm not singling you out. You're both a pain in the ass to get to. But what what is the situation with it? Um, it's just a well. It was supposed to be a cool campaign uh, to get behind Paul Cook and the boys over the Christmas period <laughs> and sell some tickets and then of course Paul Cook gets fired and we get into this Omicron um, you know variant and all of that good stuff where we think this might be the super spreader uh, weekend and event of the event of the season to keep everyone in their houses before before Christmas let's not get into Covid because that that that'll make more than your guy that thinks I'm dull as dishwater upset but <laughs> no there should be a a real good um, crowd we think high 20,000s, um, which, you know, given our history since we built up the two stands at the end of the ground, it's not been a regular, regular occurrence there. So it could be a real good atmosphere. And yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe strategically dipping in a new manager announcement if they've done it might work. But for God's sake, as long as they've got the right guy and they've done the due diligence, so, you know, announce him next Thursday if, it, if, if it's not going to be the right guy. In terms of the guy that could be in charge, obviously John McGreal's currently in interim charge. All the fans will remember him as obviously Premier League centre half for Mark Venus, as mm. far as I remember. Um, has he implemented anything new in the two games he's had as interim boss against Charlton? Obviously, two 0 defeat, one 0 one one against Wigan as well. Well, he's um, he's simplified things, and I think the um, two up top get it in the box um, brigade will kind of enjoy that because it's. I, I think it's just been a case of learn the players' names. And I'm not even joking. In his first interview, he said he's he's done one session and he's getting familiar with the names of the players because I don't know if you realise, he came in literally two days before he got the job to work with the under-23. So he's barely been in the club. Oh, um, 
all just real simple stuff, Graham. It's all just been look, play play for pride, make yourself hard to beat. Um, I think we're going to see a four four f into tonight, yeah. two up top, and Caden Jackson and James Norwood are going to going to get a go. So it, nothing, nothing flash other than you know value the badge, <laughs> all of that stuff that. Every, you know, if you've ever played any kind of football, someone shouts before kickoff, win your first header, win your first tackle. Get the loose balls. Get the loose balls. Oh, just real simple, simplistic stuff and waiting for um, waiting for a new boss to go. That's not a judgment of John McGreal. That's exactly what anyone would do in his... Yeah, it's in not his, what you can do. Yeah, exactly, in his position. And he's literally come into, uh, you know, an away trip to Charlton, an away trip to Wigan followed by an away trip to Barrow, and he may well be in charge for the Sunderland game against a, a big rival with a huge crowd. So he's had no time to train anybody and three away games. John McGreal feels like the, the sticker that you always got in your first pack of Premier League. <laughs> like, I was thinking today and I'm thinking, bloody hell, John McGreal, Mark Venus, Bobby Petter, Marcus Stewart. Just, qu- just quickly, Graham, John McGreal signified in the late 90s everything that was good about Ipswich. He was... That was when we used to drip in signings bit by bit. That was the Kieran Dyer money that was spent on John McGreal, who was seen as a workaday average centre-half from Tranmere. And it was a signing that was carefully thought out, dripped in. And then he came into a team that knew the pattern of play. He was better than we thought. We improved him. Everyone's a winner. He kind of sums up everything that used to be um, good about Ipswich back in those George Burley days, but I can feel myself lamenting and reminiscing. So um, I've got wonderful memories of um, of um, John McGreal arriving for the promotion season. I remember the, uh, the I think it was New Year's Day, 4-1. We, I think Mark, you scored first, Mark, but you were like fourth off top and then you signed Chris Megan. Yeah. But three months later, my favourite ever Sunderland player when I was a kid, Chris Megan. I was devastated that day. <laughs> well, he was another one that just slotted straight in. Um, it's it, it's almost quite simple when you think about it, Graham. If you if you have a team that's got a well-rehearsed plan and put in players that are as good, they improve and your team improves. I mean, whoop de doo we're into rocket science here, aren't we? Football is a very simple game played by idiots. Oh, yes. It's a cliche. Yes, oh, yes. Um, in the aftermath of Kukasak, and obviously it was after the Barrow game, which felt a bit odd, but then at the same time, I guess it makes sense. We lost 2-0 to Charlton, drew 1-1 to Wigan, as we've touched on. Bad result, followed by a good result. But you're 12th on the table. You're nine points away from the playoffs. You're nine points away from relegation. Are Ipswich fans thinking promotion is still a possibility, or does a lot hinder on who comes in? Yeah, all it's just all on the new manager and them getting the kind of points per game output that we expected Paul Cook to get. And again, I don't want to sound arrogant and divine right, but that squad does feel like more like uh, 1.7, 1.8 points per game than, you know, the output that Paul Cook got. So look, we, we are at a point with this squad where, you know, you start to look at it and start to look at totals and we're going to be at the halfway mark after this game. And you think if you get into, even if you're getting up to 25 games, that next three games, and you haven't got five or six points, you're starting to think, okay, Ipswich need to basically, you know, the numbers, win four, draw one and lose one 
out of every six games for the next 24, I know it's not 24 games, but you take my point. It had, it, you start to look at it and think they have to be so much better than they have been that it's just not, not plausible. That, and I think that's where, I know you laughed at Warnock. I think that's where people kind of, you know, think that the Warnock thing, you just bring in this guy who has players eating out of their hand and, you know, all that charisma and um, experience and that somehow he'll, he'll just win eight out of 10 games and away you go. But yeah, thinking a bit longer term, it, you, you're totally right. It just hinges on the new manager. That's how I feel about Warnock. I love him. He's like my favourite manager on the planet because he's brilliant. And, and the line, you've got to die for three points is exactly how I feel about <laughs> football. Um, but he's not the youngest man on the planet. You can't exactly plan for the next 10, 15 years. And I think a lot of clubs are doing that, especially clubs like Sunderland's, clubs like Ipswich, where we've been shite for a decent whack of time. I think we want a plan to, to, to sort of move forward. And I don't know whether... I don't know whether one up would want a 10, 15 year plan, basically, is the kind of long and short I, of it. Graham, I think it comes back to um, a fan base of a club struggling for a long time, being confused, not really knowing what they want. And you kind of, you, you just start to throw out, well, what's the worst that could happen? You yeah. know, we'll just have managers for six months. They don't, you know, they don't work. You just throw one in, change it, or, you know, you, you do kind of think, well, what's the worst? That could Obviously, like you say, everyone would love a, a nice fight. Everyone wants an Alex Ferguson, don't they? Or a Wenger or whatever, someone in there for 10, 15 years. But um, yeah, things just move too fast for that now, don't they? With Paul Kuko and talking about managers that have staying power that we all love, Peter Reid, obviously, is, is top oh. of that list. Is he staying with Ipswich or is he, is he gone? He seems to still be around. And um, if... If we do get a head coach um, who may not have, a, you know, a big profile and wants to work in this system, do I want Peter Reid mentoring that coach? Of course I do. So if it's a if it's a young coach, then I, I, you know, a man with that knowledge and caliber and tenure over his career, just have him around. You know, don't even give him a job title. Just have it could call him a consultant like he is and just have him around but I think he's I think he's still about and yeah um look if you if you got Peter Cook Peter Cook he was Peter, wasn't he? <laughs> if you've got both. Peter Reed helping Paul Cook and the the idea is you're probably not going to get someone as experienced as Paul Cook if it's you know obviously if not if it's a Neil Warnock or whoever but yeah I I think he's still around and I would certainly advocate him being around if it's not too expensive Big fan of Peter Reid. Love him. Love, him. love his political rants online because I agree with them all. <laughs> also love him as a person for very obvious reasons. Again, I'll I'll um I'll not react to political stuff or COVID stuff. We'll, we'll stick it to football. Everyone people get upset enough with us just talking about football. So, but yes, of course we um we respect anybody's rights to have um any view that they like on politics, providing it doesn't cross certain lines. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, won't go there. <laughs> um. Sunderland, obviously, on the subject of Sunderland, have sort of took off a little bit. There's been one or two poor performances. You don't believe really. it for one minute, do you? Look at not you. really. No, I'm <laughs> trying to trying to convince myself, but I don't really because I'm a, I'm awaiting what's what's like under the bed. Like we said last time, what's the scary months under the bed that's going to come next? But we we'll had the Shrewsbury game, ten men, one one, um, and the Oxford game, Oxford good side, maybe poor performance. But aside from that. One, three, and five, and two of the last performances have been been excellent. Saturday is probably the best. What have you hey, made Ryan, of the... 
Had Ryan Logue, sorry, Graham, had Ryan Logue yes. gone, he'd gone prior to the game. Do you think yes. that influenced the result? No, we were really good. We were okay. really, really good. Um, it was a 2-1. It could have quite easily been a 4-0. And the referee was horrendous, which I'm sure people will remember with it being just Saturday. But but what have you made of the improvement of the past few weeks? When we were speaking last time, there was a lot of pressure on Lee Johnson. Seems to be less so now. Um, I mean, you, you wouldn't blame me, given what's gone on at my club, for being a little bit one-eyed. So um, I've not really been paying attention to um, other clubs in that top six and the top six seems to be a you know a fair wee mile away obviously look we got a draw at Wigan maybe that was a little bit of just you know simplify and yeah Wigan with a better side and we equalized later in that uh Sunderland level on points with Wigan I can see that recent run is very it's exactly what we described earlier as in going back to the Ipswich game four wins two draws in sixth if you take the um take the cup game out which I'm sure you feel that a uh, reserve second string team in um, anyway so look it's very boring with Sunderland um, you can't win can you because if you're third everyone's oh it's, it's where we expect Sunderland to be they shouldn't be in this division in the first place blah 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 and if you're struggling get a manager out sack the board and all of that um, yeah Lee Johnson I think has got quite a good record against Ipswich actually I don't remember I remember us beating Bristol City once but I think he'd only just arrived and he certainly I remember him winning a couple of times at Portman Road with um with Bristol City possibly the last two even definitely the last last one against Mickey won and the one against uh, Paul Lambert he won as well so I think he's won the last two times um he's been down there as well if that means anything maybe the pack out Portman Road campaign Graham is going to be the deciding factor here but uh, no, of course. Big club, big threat, great away support, always in good form. Third in the league, could go top. What, what, what's not to be scared of? <laughs> Prime something to mess it up, that kind of stuff. Though, yeah, there you go. Um, I asked you this not long ago. Obviously, there's been a few more players that have came through and had really good form recently. From what you've seen, which players do you feel that could cause problems for it on, on Saturday? Well, Bursant Salina has just won the League One Goal of the Month with his beautiful I've effort. Seen that. Uh, but if we're if we're simplifying and we're moving away from Paul Cook's very attacking four-two-three-one, and wide players are going to be more midfielders than inside forwards, then uh, perhaps Bursant Salina, with all his silky skills and um, disdain, is probably a strong word, but. Um, Lack of enjoyment of defending, um, let's just say, might not mm-hmm. might not be the one. So, look, if we get a simplistic four four two with maybe Piggott and Bon uh, up front, and I don't know, he could even four three three it and try and block out the central midfield and play um, uh, Morsi, um, maybe Evans, and I don't know Tom Carroll or Harper in there as well we could we could see that sort of thing as well um it's it's just very much a case though with this holding the holding the fort type thing it's very much a case of just be competitive if you if you can get a win amazing but you know don't embarrass yourself and pass it on to the don't pass it on to the next manager after losing 4-0 at home to Sunderland or whatever by trying to trying to attack so yeah, normal names. George Edmondson at the back, you know, from um, 
uh, covering Glasgow Rangers, don't you? Uh, Christian Welton's been very, very decent in goal. Um, I think he saved us from an absolute spanking at um, Charlton before McGreal. Give, us a, give us a great hand in our last game. Jeez, I hope he does that again. Just drop in the corner. That was tremendous. Stop it. Since then, he's been he's been very good. Yeah, that, do you know what? That probably in his town career, that's probably the one funny mistake. One big hiccup he's made. But you are yeah, you are perfectly within your rights, and it's not unreasonable to point that one point that one out. But he's generally been very good. That was poor though, wasn't it? I, I think we'd all admit that. By the way, you can check out an excellent interview with Christian Walton on the Blue Monday. Podcast, which I'm a, which I'm a, which I'm a founder of, of course. Um, so yeah, I would say Bursant Selena and Macaulay Bond's goals have dried up, as you've probably um, yeah, I noticed that, yeah, realised. But I'm just not sure if it's going to be four four F in two. I think McGrill might pass Selena on to the next manager and say, you know, use you him with it, use him how you are. You say maybe like a four three three, and maybe a Scott Fraser could sort of come in the MK guy from. Last season, I just don't know quite how you, unless you uh, stick Bond slightly off to one side, which didn't really work at QPR um, when he was there and Chaplin off to the other. I don't know. It's all a bit of a mess and nobody quite knows what to do with with this squad. Hence, why we're looking for a manager. And I feel like that's going to scupper my final question, but what we have to do it as always. <laughs> Prediction for Saturday? Um, I predict we won't have announced a new manager yet. I predict there will be over 27,000 people in um, in Portman Road. And um, <laughs> God, I don't want to do the 1-1 one, one Sunderland, um, oh, no. Sunderland thing. <laughs> okay, let, let, let me spin back the question. You give me an argument that it's not going to be 1-1. One, one. I can't really. It's hard, isn't it? It's yeah. hard. I think you guys would take one-one, especially if we announce a new manager on Friday or or what have you. Um, if a we win, on that. a lot of it rides on that. If you announce a new manager, or not. if if you don't, I'd be annoyed if we don't pick up three points. If you do, I'd take the point probably. Yeah, I'm trying to give an argument of how we would win, and it, the only thing I can think is just up and at them. Early goal, big crowd. I think that's really the the only way the only way we win. Um, although I think both sides are capable of not winning it, i.e., it being it being a draw. Um, can I can I do okay then two two <laughs> instead of one one? I'll go one one for you then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll get go it, one one. Get it in there, but yeah, um, it, it just feels very very temporary um oh you got arsenal away in the efl cup eight thousand down there weren't you but look graham if you if you (laughs) beat doncaster and it's four points from those two away games all you Sunderland fans perfectly happy with 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 that as a you two points per game for that and then god Sunderland v sheffield wednesday in the third tier how about that used to it then (laughs) as always thanks for joining me mate um, hope you have a Pleasure. horrendous Saturday as always. Um, <laughs> otherwise, um, have to do that. Subscribe if you want, if you can. Um, it just says subscribe, you just press the button and then you subscribe. But Ben, like I say, thanks for joining me again, mate. As always, you're very welcome. Um, any negative comments will trigger me in the absolutely worst. But look, I'm not letting it go. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag be kind, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, his face, you can't see it because we're on, we're on audio here, but he's like. 
Ben, shut up about the name. You've, you've gone too far with it. And I hope you can get to Glasgow Rangers and to Arsenal and wherever else you, you go. And have you started your Christmas shopping? <laughs> not quite. No, not going to respond to that. Is <laughs> your missus in the background? Yeah, she might be. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> My, mine's gone to Morrison's and the answer is yes. I, I was planning on going Saturday, but we'll see what my we'll see what COVID says. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, thank thank you for having me on. Uh...